Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today our topic is nutrition for marathons. We know that everybody gets a bit stuck sometimes on what to eat and when to eat during training and also on race day. So what we're going to do today is talk about the detail of your nutrition goals, so the what, the when and how much to eat, pre, during and post training and racing. And when you put it all into practice, not only are you going to be race ready, but you're going to be full of energy and able to recover effectively too. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Club. Welcome back everyone. I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen and as always we're going to share something personal with you about our nutritional running before we move on to discuss today's topic which is focusing on nutrition for marathon running which I know is going to be a popular discussion for everyone. Um, So Karen, um, most people will be aware that we've recently been on a working holiday together in Denia in Spain. We had a lovely two weeks there Um, so we've, we've been back a couple of weeks now. And and it was really nice because we set up our business together sort of around about the start of the first lockdown. And and although we know each other really well from years gone by, it's this was actually the first time we got an opportunity to work together in person because normally we're doing everything over Zoom. Um, So it was lovely to have a couple of weeks together and it was a really lovely experience. Anybody who watched us on Facebook will know that the weather wasn't as lovely, Um, but uh, despite uh, the rain and the lack of sunshine, we still had a really great time. And so Karen, you know, now that we're home, um, what was the highlight for you looking back? Yeah, like you said, Aileen, hi, everybody. Um, But like you were saying, it was such a lovely experience despite the weather. It was just really nice to be together and bounce off each other regarding ideas and work generally. But thinking about your question, what what was the highlight? I think that's a difficult one to answer because there was so much of it that I enjoyed, except the weather, although we did get some glimpses of sunshine. But I think that even the weather didn't really deter us from doing what we wanted to do. Um, But if I had to choose one thing, I think it would probably be our 
almost daily breakfasts at a place called Fuego down on the marina. It was just such a beautiful setting. The menu was varied. The food was delicious. And the coffee, well, what can I say? It was really, really good. Typical Spanish coffee, which is always really delicious. But I think um, for me, the ultimate joy was really the opportunity for us to sit and chat and together, um, sometimes about work, but often about other things as well. And then we would come back home and, and do the work. And um, I do think it's definitely something that we must do again sometime. But how about you, Aileen? What would you say was your highlight? Well, I think, as you said, Karen, it was just wonderful to be in person together. We did have lots of R&R as well as doing some work and planning. Uh, but I think one of the things I loved most was being so close to the beach and being able to literally step out the door for a morning walk or a run. And, and as I said earlier, the, the weather was unseasonably wild and rainy, but in some ways that made it a little bit different. And it did mean that we had the beach to ourselves every morning. And the local restaurants were great. We had some really lovely food, beautiful salads and seafood. And, uh, and we did a bit of cooking too. So yeah, all in all, I think um, food and being together really and a little bit of uh, running and walking. Yeah, <laughs> was all good. So Karen, let's move on and talk about today's topic, which as we said, is all about fueling uh, for marathon running. And that's something we frequently get asked about um, for nutrition and food ideas for marathon running. And I think because moving from moderate running to marathon running is such a huge jump, often people forget to adjust their food plan accordingly or, th or they get confused about what to do. And they often feel hungry all the time. They might find they're losing too much weight. They could be getting ill or getting injured. And all of those things will affect performance. So to help everyone with marathon running today, we're going to answer the following questions. So the first question is, what is the aim and goal of nutrition for marathon running? Second question is, how much and when do you need to eat pre and during a marathon? And the third question is, what should you eat pre and during a marathon? So, um, you know, how much and when really? And We've, we've talked about this topic before, you know, I think it's one of the core topics of the um, podcast, but if anybody is interested in having a little bit more information over and above what we talk about today, we'd recommend going back to episode 10, so quite a way back, and, and it's called Race Day Success Nutritional Strategies, so that might be a really good one to revisit, and um, it will be a great accompaniment to the discussion today. So, Karen, let's get started. Um, now, many people will be aware that it's important to eat more when running marathon distance, uh, possibly because hunger is a driver. I think that is the thing that would, you know, initiate people to eat more. Um, but from the runners that we've worked with and the questions we get asked, it would appear that many people are very much unaware of why it's important. So to start with, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what the key aims or goals of nutrition is for marathon running. Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. And I've read a, a really excellent review paper recently written by Louise Burke and um, Asko Jokendrup, um, both of whom are scientists that, that we speak about quite often. And they wrote this review paper in 2019 titled Contemporary Nutrition Strategies to Optimise Performance in Distance Runners. 
and run race walkers. So they were looking at race walkers. And I have to say, some of these walkers run, um, walk at as fast a pace as we would run. So they were just looking at nutritional strategies for these um, different distances because race walkers tend to walk a minimum of 50K and beyond. And it was such a good paper that uh, I have to say that much of the evidence for this episode on nutrition for marathon running comes from their findings. Now, they state that the principal goal of race nutrition really is to address key factors that would otherwise cause fatigue or suboptimal performance during and especially towards the end of a race. And the key factors here required for that race success include high aerobic power, the ability to exercise at a large fraction of this power, this aerobic power, and also to have a um, high running economy. Wow. So a lot to cover there. So where does nutrition fit into all of this? Well, that's a really good question. And, and as we know, nutrition is important for running performance, both directly, but also indirectly, just to support health and well-being, therefore supporting um, performance. However, Burke and Jochendrup, they claim in this review paper, paper that the key aims of optimal and personalized nutrition is to support the optimal body body mass and anthropometry so that anthropometry is sort of looking at physical size physical shape form and functional capacity but also looking at the body's capacity to use macronutrients particularly carbohydrate to produce what we know as ATP so adenosine triphosphate so that energy currency that we've spoken about in the past and lots of people might have heard about and being able to to use those macronutrients for ATP economically over the duration of an event. And then also um, it's about nutrition, it's about the maintenance of reasonable hydration status. Today we're speaking primarily about nutrition, but clearly hydration status is important to, especially in the face of um, sweat losses induced by exercise intensity, but also um, induced by the environment that you're running in. And, and do remember that um, hydration is a limiting factor in running performance, so it is really important. Well, that's really interesting to know what they've focused on. And so what they're really saying, the nutrition strategy is focusing on body composition, energy production and fluid balance and possibly electrolyte balance within that too. Uh, and also, I think what we need to add here is, and it's something that Karen and I do mention a lot, that any nutrition plan for race day needs to be practiced during training. So practice, 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 we always say is the key to success. And, and that should be throughout your whole training program, not just the week before. Um, you know, you've really got to get it in place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that's a really good point. But I think there are other aspects that would also need to be considered. Practicing is really important, but also thinking about how practical will it be to eat and drink during the race. And again, that will depend on the individual, depend on how fast a runner or slower runner you are. Also, um, the time taken to eat and drink during a race, how is that going to affect your performance if you're looking for a PB, all these things? 
cravings and also the risk of digestive discomfort during a race. And again, that practice, practice, practice is going to support those. Um, and like I say, you know, these these three are important for everybody so that um, how practical is it to eat and drink, the time it takes to eat and drink and also the digestive the potential for digestive discomfort is especially pertinent, I think, for runners aiming for that PB um, because time will be their priority. So there's something else just to think about. Mm, thanks, Karen. Um, but before we move on to consider nutrition for marathon performance, um, are there any female factors that we need to consider, consider when we're thinking about marathon running performance? Yeah, I think that there is one that is worth highlighting and it was highlighted by um, Burke and Jukendrip in their review paper and it's linked to VO2 max. And just as a reminder, Reminder that VO2 max is the maximum or optimum rate at which the heart, lungs, and muscles can effectively use oxygen during exercise. Now, what the review paper was stating was that female runners tend to possess lower VO2 max values than male runners. And this is thought to be due to various factors, including males having um, a higher hemoglobin concentration, which then helps to increase oxygen delivery at the maximal cardiac output. And also, um, generally, is generalization tend to have lower fat mass than females. So these seem to be linked to the reasons why females have a lower VO2 max overall. Now, we mentioned earlier that energy, so therefore exercise economy, is one of the key aims of a nutrition strategy for a marathon runner. Now, Better exercise economy is advantageous to endurance performance because a lower fraction of the VO2 max is utilized for any particular speed. So, so really what, what I think this shows is that um, how all the different aspects interlink and, and also how important nutrition is to support these physiological adaptations so that you're able to attain, attain that peak performance. Great. So thanks for that, Karen. And so just so far, what we've highlighted is that the efficiency and the economical energy production and utilization is one of the principal drivers of optimal performance throughout a marathon event and that optimal nutrition uh, plays a key part in that outcome um, so now that we know that nutrition is crucial for peak performance let's move on and consider when and how much to eat and how that will encourage optimal running performance so I think most people are aware that carbohydrate plays a huge role in this. And, um, you know, again, we've talked about this in the past, that carbohydrate is um, uh, the other limiting factor in exercise performance alongside um, hydration. So it's really important that we, we consider carbohydrate. So when we're thinking about the marathon race nutrition strategy, when to eat would focus on carbohydrate rich eating in the hours and days prior to the event so that we're able to store glycogen and amounts sufficient for the event um, so that you know we've got enough fuel um, to, um, to to cope with the needs of the individual really and then in the race consumption of carbohydrates and fluids so what we're doing while we're running in the race um, consuming carbohydrates to offset the event losses 
of the ready available glucose and stored glycogen. So it's what we're doing in the week leading up and, and also what we're doing during the race that's important. Um, and the, the current um, carbohydrate loading protocol is a sort of an abbreviated version of an original protocol that was devised back in the 1960s um, from various studies showing that carbohydrate loading improved performance by limiting the decay in speed in the last part of the race. Um, so Karen, thinking about the contemporary, uh, more up-to-date carbohydrate loading protocol for marathon events, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so when you think about, uh, start to think about the protocol and the days leading up to the race, and I think this is really important is to be considering your nutrition in the days leading up to the race and not just the night before or on the day of. And um, the carbohydrate loading protocols of today tend to involve around, around 36 to 48 hours of carbohydrate intake prior to the event. And that can be anything between 6 to 12 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. Um, now, for elite athletes, the target is um, generally between 10 to 12 grams per kilogram of body weight per day of carbohydrates. However, I think for more of the amateur rec recreational runner, um, then the requirements are more likely to be lower. But like I say, it would be very individual because, you know, you can get some club runners that are really fast runners. So they would maybe need to be looking at their intake being being higher. But for, for maybe the average amateur and recreational runner, you're looking more at sort of six to eight grams per kilogram of body weight per day of carbohydrates. Now, this is often um, undertaken in, in conjunction with what they call a low residue or a low fiber diet, certainly in the world of elite runners. And this and other elite sports as well, actually. And this is because it is thought to possibly help reduce the risk of gut issues during a race. But also it's thought that it might achieve a small reduction in body mass. And that's to um, partially offset the mass of the additional muscle glycogen and stored water that's been occurring um, over, over this time period, this 36 to 48 hours. And it is estimated that the weight loss from using this um, low residue approach to eating would be approximately 500 grams. But again, that is going to be very individual. Mm, that's an interesting uh, reason Concept. for doing it as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, because we always think about the digestive effect, but maybe not how it might be affecting our, our body mass. Um, so, the, so the guidelines are recommending a high carb and a low fiber diet in the three days leading up to the event. How about on the day of the event, Karen? What would be the recommended pre-race nutrition strategy um, in, you know, the most up-to-date recommendations? Yeah, so in those hours beforehand that the aim of that pre-race meal or snack it depends how long you have is also about carbohydrate intake again to provide further contributions to to fuel availability for the race now this is particularly important i would say for events starting in the morning because carbohydrate intake and um, before the race can help to restore the liver glycogen um, following an overnight fast because that about 80% of liver glycogen gets used up overnight because the liver is really active during the night 
but also this carbohydrate pre-race can help provide an ongoing supply of carbohydrate for the gut to use and hopefully use efficiently. Now, the timing, the size and the food choices of the pre-race meal will vary depending on event characteristics. So I'm thinking here of, is it a road race? Is it a trail? Is it a mountain event? Because what people's needs are going to be different. Um, how long there is between rising um, and the sort of from rising, so getting up basically, and then the event starting will have an effect on timing and size and food choices. And of course, really the runner's preferences um, need to be taken into consideration. And, um, and as you were saying earlier, Aileen, these should be really well practiced in training. So you've kind of developed an appropriate protocol for you before race day. Now, the recommendations is that this pre-race meal should contain between one to four grams per kilograms of body weight of carbs and consumed within one to four hours pre-race. Again, the, their recommendations um, are that the meal is low fiber and contains limited protein and fat. And again, this is to help minimize the risk of gut issues during the, the race. And um, actually, just a note on, on um, hydration here, runners should also consider the fluid needs um, pre-race to really achieve optimal hydration status for the event and any um, specific race conditions. That's really, really key. Okay, so you, you talked there, Karen, about the pre-race meal. What about immediately before the race? Is there anything um, that people could be be doing? Yes, yeah, exactly. So I've spoken about one to four hours beforehand. And then what you would want to be doing is um, just before the race, having a small carbohydrate rich snack again. So it's all about the carbs. And now the recommendations are to have that during the race warm up. But I have to say that I think for some runners, it might actually be better to have the snack approximately 30 minutes before the, end, the event begins, again, to help prevent or maybe limit any digestive issues. I think if you're eating within those 30 minutes before you start the race, it's it's the body's got less chance of digesting and absorbing it efficiently before you start running. So it might lead to, to some issues. Yeah, it's interesting because you never actually see elite athletes taking on <laughs> nutrition at, while they're at the start line, do you? No, really? no, <laughs> so, no. Yeah. Okay. So thanks, Karen. That's really interesting. And um, let's let's move on and discuss when and how much to eat during um, the race. So um, the the official recommendations suggest that consuming quick release carbohydrate foods providing between 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate and consuming this amount every 45 to 60 minutes. And for elite runners, the recommendations increase to approximately 90 grams uh, per hour of carbohydrate, but that's probably not necessary for most amateur runners. 
Um, so that's how much and when um, yeah. to have your carbohydrate during the race. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. 90 grams, I think, per hour of carbohydrates is, is a lot to take on board for most people. And again, just here thinking about hydration again, um, the general aim is to ensure that your fluid loss is no greater than um, around 2% to 3% of body mass during a, a race. Now, again, requirements will be individual, um, but again, it should be practiced in training. Some people can maintain performance if they're 2% um, dehydrated, but some other people might find that the, that affects their um, performance negatively. So it is about um, working it out um, as individuals, and it might need to need you working with someone to support you in that. Now, remember, it's really important to increase fluid intake um, if weather conditions are hot, and or if you have a high sweat rate. Um, small amounts taken often could be preferable for some people, especially if you're a fast runner, as you may find it really difficult to drink large volumes of fluids and may cause um, potential um, digestive issues as well if there's too, too many fluids um, in, in, in your stomach. So really, just to summarize before we move on, carbohydrate really is the key nutrient um, to consume in the days running up to and including the morning of a marathon event. But how much to eat will really depend on the individual. And also just remember, don't ignore your hydration, especially if you know that race conditions are going to be hot and also um carbohydrate during the race is going to be um, key as well to, to maintain um, glucose levels, glycogen levels and performance. Okay, Aileen, so before we move on, shall we just take a quick advert break? Yes, sure. So this is the, the time in the episode where Karen and I take a minute to tell you a little bit about what we do outside of the podcast. Um, so one of the questions or one of the um Frustrations I think we hear a lot from uh, particularly midlife um, female runners is that they're experiencing weight gain, um, they're noticing poor muscle tone and lower energy. And maybe that, that sounds like you. Um, and women of, often tell us they're unhappy with the way they look and how they feel as they transition through midlife. And many, many women just seem to be resigned to it, which is very frustrating for us. Um, we hear them say, well, that's just the way it is, or it's the menopause, so I just have to put up with it. But it really doesn't have to be that way. And uh, we, and I say the royal we, Karen and I, as women of a certain age, as well as many of you listeners, we just need to be more strategic in our approach to nutrition, exercise and lifestyle choices. And that will enable us to flourish and continue to enjoy our running and our everyday lives throughout midlife and beyond. Um, so to, to empower you, we developed our Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner method. And the magic of our method is how we deliver it. So at the core is the core of everything we do is really ensuring that the program is easy for you to implement. Uh, and we personally guide you through this simple 90 day step by step method. So if you're curious to, to know more, uh, we'd love you to join our wait list for our Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner method and be first in line for special price offers, bonuses and priority bookings. So the doors uh, for our next program will be opening soon. Um, but you might in the meantime consider joining us on our next 
Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner free training, which we'll be hosting on Wednesday, the 27th of April. That's 2022, just in case you are listening in the future. Um, It'll be at 6 p.m. UK time, and it's a Zoom uh, webinar style workshop session. So it's a really um, great opportunity um, to learn about the method and, and one of the core parts of the method is, is body composition and, and as we've just been learning having the right body composition is really going to help you marathon running um, so we will put the links uh, to the show notes in the show notes of how you can join that next um, healthy woman healthy runner free training and all you need to do is, is click on the link complete the quick form and leave the rest to us. We'll send you a reminder and then you can join the training with us. And and you'll find um, a page on our website all about Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner too. So if you'd like to read a little bit more, that's where it is. So look at runnershealthhub.com. Great. Thanks very much, Aileen. So we have discussed when and how much to eat for a marathon event. So let's now have a look at what to eat. So if we go back to thinking about the foods to eat in the days leading up to the race. So we mentioned that this is important in the 36 to 48 hours prior to the event and that a high carbohydrate but low residue diet are what guidelines suggest. However, you know, this approach hasn't actually been subjected to rigorous scientific investigation within a sporting setting, although many sports, um, there are many sports where the athlete needs to make weight and they tend to use this approach. So, for example, I think rowing is, is, is one area. So really, to date, the evidence is more anecdotal than it is um, scientific, but still uh, potentially relevant so, um, mm. yeah, so worth bearing in mind. Definitely. So can we talk a little bit, Karen, about what the benefits of the low residue diet is in this scenario? Yes. And I think there are um, some potential um, benefits to it. And that includes the, the weight loss and also the low risk of um, digestive issues during the race. And I think for um, some athletes, those are really key uh, potential benefits. And that's the reason that they do it, because they're looking for a PB each time they race over a long distance. And um, and that's why they go for the, the low residue. But I have to say, Eileen, I personally feel that there are potentially more disadvantages than advantages to, to this approach. And some of the disadvantages that I... I um I think are important are the fact that you've got a lack of food variety for a start. Um, if you're going for refined carbohydrates, you're you're missing out on a huge amount of, of variety, but also um, a reduction in dietary quality. And as we know, quality is as important, if not, if not more important than quantity of, of the foods that we eat. Also a reduction in the micronutrient density because in refined carbohydrate foods, so much of that micronutrient content has been removed in the processing. Um, But also I think there can be um, some discomfort. Um, And again, that's kind of, could be digestive, but also psychological as well due to lower satiety, so more hunger and maybe potential um, ongoing ongoing low-grade hunger and also I think if you're missing out on on certain food 
um, types that can lead to, to cravings for that particular foods. And, and I, I personally also feel that it could lead to poor food choices because you're just looking at the, 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 the two potential benefits. So that weight loss and the digestive issues that you're making poor food choices because they're white, they're refined. Now, it might be for a short period only. Um, however, it could have an impact on health and potential risk of injury. Therefore, I think could affect performance. Um, I think our recommendations really would be to include the fiber rich foods, but to practice like you were saying, Aileen, practice, practice, practice with these um, fiber foods during training so that the digestive system gets used to receiving them um, during an endurance event, therefore minimizing that that risk of negative effects. Yeah, and I think what was, you know, I'm thinking here, Karen, is, yeah, it's fine doing this for, you know, two to three days leading up to a race. But what if somebody has a busy race calendar and they're racing, you know, every two or three weeks, then that really is going to affect the the, um, nutrient status. So I think, as you say, practicing during training and and being able to cope with some fiber rich foods um, would be useful. Um, So let's think now about the the carbohydrate rich rich foods. uh, We recommend that also contain some fiber and the nutrients that you were talking about there, Karen. So um, things to think about would be whole grains such as brown rice, uh, quinoa, millet, uh, amaranth, buckwheat and oats. Um, are all good Um, if you are sensitive to gluten then you know you might want to avoid um, things like brown pasta and whole grain couscous and the bulgur wheat as they sometimes cause irritation Um, otherwise um, you could include um, those foods in your uh, pre uh, pre pre-prep meals too Um, other um, carbohydrate rich choices are things like sweet potatoes and other root vegetables so beetroot parsnips and carrots so you'll be getting some uh, some more nutrients there as, as well as the carbohydrates which might help you um, but also I think it's really important um, that you still need to be thinking about your protein intake so um, maintain your protein intake don't drop it um, because um, maintaining your protein intake will help prevent injury hopefully limit DOMS and minimize muscle catabolism. Uh, so that's the muscle breakdown caused by endurance running. So um, whilst we're, we're saying up your carbohydrate, that's not to be at the, the cost of reducing protein. Um, and, and other things that you could be thinking about, thinking about um, when you're choosing uh, protein, um, if you're somebody that eats um, meats, then we'd suggest you choose non-inflammatory and lean uh, meats including poultry and also um, oily and white fish they would be good choices try to avoid red meats as uh, they are known to be pro-inflammatory so having you know don't eat a lot of them so maybe once a week Um, and if you're following a plant-based diet or indeed you know you're somebody who just enjoys having some uh, vegetarian or vegan food as part of your plan um, the non-meat-based protein choices would include eggs, tempeh, tofu, lentils, and other legumes such as chickpeas, butter beans, and kidney beans. So there's a huge variety there, and it's important that you uh, focus on variety. 
And, and also, um, you know, accompany these meals with some non-root vegetables. So, you know, all of the leafy greens and uh, all the non-root um, salady type vegetables would be great because you're going to get lots of micronutrients from them. Um, but as we say, just to, and we've said this a few times already, it's really important to practice with these foods as you build up your marathon training and certainly don't introduce any new foods in the days leading up to the event. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is so important, Aileen, is that you practice, practice, practice sort of as you're building up your training and then finding what suits you and sticking with that in the in the last few days leading up to the event and clearly on the day as well. Okay, so if you um, have had your last dinner the night before the event, what do you then go on to choose to eat on the morning of the event? Well, I have to say that generally it does tend to be breakfast that we're thinking of here, although there are a few races that begin in in the evening. And I think you did one, Aileen, up in Iceland, didn't you? An evening half marathon. Is that right? Yeah, and it started about... 9 30 10 o'clock at night and it played havoc with me yeah <laughs> absolutely and and um I know that they're right there but generally the marathon events do tend to be in the morning so that's what we'll look at here and I would say probably most people have at least two hours from getting up to the race actually be beginning because they need to eat they need to dress they've got to pack their rucksack with everything that they're taking with them and of course I think probably most people then have to travel to the race venue and so there is a a a good length of time actually between getting up and um and starting the race now depending on how long you have will um depend on how much food you eat so as we mentioned earlier the guidelines suggest one to four grams per kilogram of body weight um, of carbohydrates and um, and that having that one to four hours before the start of the race and um, clearly they suggest the low fiber protein and fat now our recommendations would be that if you have um, say two to four hours before the race then maybe thinking about choosing more slow release carbohydrate foods such as the ones that Aileen just mentioned all the the complex carbohydrate foods and including some protein at this time but like I say it does need to be um, to be practiced beforehand um, because you really don't want any digestive dramas going on before the race and also what I would suggest, you know, if it's if you have sort of got between two to four hours before the race, then consume um, two to four grams per kilograms of body weight, respectively of carbohydrate food sources. So, for example, what I'm saying here is if you've got as long as four hours beforehand, then be choosing four grams per kilograms of body weight. You want to be eating more because you've got more time before the race. If you've got less time before the race, say two hours, then choosing two grams per kilogram of body weight of carbs. Now, if you have less than two hours before you actually start the race, then here you'd want to be thinking about choosing more quick release carbs. So um, here you might think about the white bread, the white rice, maybe polenta, white potato, because they're more readily absorbed. So we'd really support that efficient glycogen storing and um, and again, sort of support and limit, um, hopefully, any potential digestive issues as you get closer to that race countdown. 
Mm, that's uh, good advice there, uh, Karen, mm. um, especially because on race day, we often have long, long lead in times to actually get to the start line, don't we? Yeah. Um, and it's really important to remember to have, have that additional snack uh, approximately 30 minutes before you start the race. To, and that will just help ensure that there's ready available glucose as you step as you set off. Uh, and that will help preserve the glycogen glycogen stores for later on in the race when you'll definitely need to pull on all those reserves so the types of um, foods that we would recommend as that sort of snack 30 minutes before would include things like medjool dates raisins banana um, and we love the ella kitchen pouches which um you know mostly a fruit pure fruit so they're they're really easy to digest too yeah absolutely so that's immediately before the race and then thinking about what to have and um, during the the race and again glycogen preservation is the principal aim of eating during an event as well so remember to eat that quick release carbohydrate foods and starting to introduce these foods every 45 minutes to 60 minutes from the outset of your run. And that's really important, I think, just to try and preserve the glycogen stores um, for later in the, in the race. Now, we mentioned that current recommendations are between 30 grams to 60 grams of carbs per hour. Um, and again, this will depend on the individual's goals and race conditions. So food recommendations here would be similar to the ones that you've just mentioned, Aileen. Um, and, and I think they're really good ones because they're practical, they're easy to carry, they're easy to eat. Apart from the banana, maybe I wouldn't promote taking a banana on a marathon with you, but all the others would um, would be really good. But I have to say some people do prefer to have bars or gels. So here I would suggest choosing the most natural ones available on the market and ones that we like are the likes of Honey Stinger, Vela Forte, Tribe, and of course, the Ellis Kitchen's pouches um, that we mentioned. And those pouches are really good because they've got screw tops. So um, that they, they, they don't leave you all sticky because some of these pouches, once you open them, you might not want to eat it, to have it all, but you, you've got no way of, um, of, of capping them. So you either have to throw them away or they go gooey in your pocket, but the Ellis Kitchens are screw top. So that's a, a, another reason why they're, they're really practical. Great. Thanks, Karen. Uh, so hopefully now everyone's got an idea of which foods, how much of each um, uh, to have and when to eat them to support their performance during a marathon. And, and a reminder that hydration is important, too, but it's very personalised and you need to adjust it on the day, too. So the guidelines recommend drinking to thirst. Um, so start to you know tune into your awareness of feelings of thirst and also observe for sweating, how much, how often, observe uh, is this within, but also outside of training, um, and find out what the weather conditions will be like on the day of the race. I think most people are fairly conscious of that, but you know, adjust your hydration strategy to suit the, the weather. And get some practice in, you know, try to train on warm, hot conditions. Uh, if that's pertinent and, and practical, and then it's not going to be a shock to you on the day if uh, if the weather changes. Uh, and what an action point that I would suggest to anyone who's currently in training for a marathon 
is to start practicing with some of your preferred foods now. And the earlier you begin practicing, the more time your body has to adjust. So start with small amounts of food and build up. So don't necessarily go straight into the top level that we've been talking about. Build it up over a few uh, training runs. Uh, And just notice, you know, how did you feel? Were there any symptoms? And if you find that you have any negative symptoms that don't dissipate after trialing the food a few times, then stop using them and trial another food. Uh, But often, uh, you know, the first time you have something, it doesn't feel great. But then when you've done it a few times, suddenly your body's adjusting and it's all okay. So that, Karen, brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, So we're at the key takeaway point so can I hand over to you for that please yeah absolutely alien so my key takeaways would be it is really important to consider your nutrition and food intake when running a marathon especially your carbohydrate intake Um, and the key aim of nutrition for marathon running is that efficient energy production throughout the event and carbohydrate is the principal macronutrient that will achieve this now remember that carbohydrate is one of the limiting factors in exercise performance hence why it's so important and we've spoken about it a lot today but hydration is the other limiting factor so important to address hydration as well race day nutrition needs to begin in the few days leading up to the race as well as on the morning of and of course during the event as well and all of these protocol timings I think are equally important for peak performance it's not about um sort of prioritizing one time over another all of them are going to support you throughout your race and the guidelines suggest a low fiber protocol in the days leading up to a marathon but although this approach might have some advantages it also could have several disadvantages as well including a reduction in micronutrient density so that's your vitamins and your minerals food cravings and also um, potentially uh, poor food choices as well and then finally like we've been um, reiterating throughout practice during your training because practicing is the key to success Thank you, Karen. That's uh, really interesting information. I've enjoyed the conversation today and hopefully all of our listeners did too. And if you'd like to know more about fueling your endurance runs, then you might be interested in our Half Marathon Plus video lesson, uh, which you can purchase from our website at the great value price of only £29. Um, It's a 30 minute video and uh, there are also some PDF information that goes along with it. So all you need to do is look at our website at runnershealthop.com, look at the work with us page and you'll find all the information you need and a link to um, purchase and download the lesson. Um, and, And we'd also just say share this episode with any of your friends who are also training for marathons and they might find the information we've shared today really helpful. Uh, And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now.
We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.